You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's gracious and precious love right here in Ramat Beit Shemesh, Israel 5768-2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Chukas. We begin the Parsha with the Chok, the quintessential law of the Torah that we cannot understand. This is the statute of the Torah that we can't understand and we have the Parah Aduma. Just giving a brief summary of what's para aduma. Para aduma is the red heifer. They would take the red heifer, they would take this cow, completely red. There was at most one single black hair, let's say. But for the for 99.999% of the body of this animal, it's completely red. And they would take the red heifer, and they would shech it, they would perform shechit, this ritual slaughter upon it. And they would burn it, burn the animal until you get ashes, the efer hapara. And mixed inside would be some other factors, of course. And they would take this and place it inside of those holy waters. And they would take the waters and they would sprinkle it on a person, upon a person who was tummy mace. A person who had come in contact, close contact with some kind of a dead person. So there's a ritual impurity that's there, it's called tumma. And that tumma was removed by the sprinkling of the ashes and the water of the mepara. This mixture of the ashes and the water. And now, all of a sudden, he's clean. He's able to go into the base of into the sanctuary, into the temple. All this because of the sprinkling of the Efer HaPara. There are many different Mephorshim, many different commentaries who give some kind of understanding, some kind of explanation for the concept of Para Aduma. We find the Gemara in Sota says that what was the merit that gave us this mitzvah? So Avram Avinu, our forefather Abraham, he said, Anoichi Afar Va'efer. I'm dust and I'm ashes. So the merit of the fact that he said dust, so we merited to have a certain different mitzvah, the mitzvah of Afar Sota. And for the, in the merit of the fact that he said I'm ashes, so we merited to have this mitzvah of the ashes of the Para Aduma. So we already begin to see that something that's rooted in a great act, a great tzidkos, a great righteousness of our forefather Abraham. His humility, his ability to say, I am nothing, his ability to completely nullify himself in a certain sense in regards to Hashem, in regards to God, and say, whatever God says I'm going to do. So that was a merit for the people of Israel to be able to also connect to Hashem in the sanctuary, to be able to come close to Hashem, even though they had been defiled by coming in close contact with a dead body. We need to understand, of course, what's the big deal about coming in contact with a, with a dead body. But despite that, so this, despite the fact that they've become defiled, nevertheless they can come back in contact with Hashem, come back in contact with spirituality by taking this afer, which was the merit from Abraham. So we have this sprinkling of the ashes that was inside of the water upon the Jewish people. Another important aspect of the Parah Aduma, of this red heifer, that the commentators explain, is that the, the red heifer is actually coming as a Kapara, as an atonement for the sin, for this transgression that the Jews did at Masai Ha'egel when they made the golden calf. So since they made this image of a golden calf, and they said, Elo Elohecha Yisrael, these are your God, who took you out of Mitzrayim, whatever the understanding is of that whole difficult, difficult parsha. Nevertheless, Hashem, as an atonement for them, He gave them this opportunity to have this para aduma, which is also from the same type, an egel as a calf, 
Para Adum is a cow. So the Para Aduma somehow comes to atone by doing Hashem's will. And perhaps just a very surface level understanding is by doing this mitzvah, which on the surface seems to be very difficult to understand. It's something that seems to be some kind of hocus pocus. You know, you burn up this, this cow and you put the ashes in the water, you sprinkle the water on their heads on the third day, on the seventh day, and magically somehow all of a sudden a person's allowed to enter into the base Hamikdash. Something that's very difficult to find understanding. So by doing such a thing, so that's an atonement for the lack of amun, the lack of trust, lack of faith in Hashem that they displayed at the Maisa Ego when they created that golden calf, when they didn't trust that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to come back. So that's that's another important aspect of it. Very interestingly, the Balhaturim actually says if you take the gematria, the numerical value of the word para aduma, so it's the same exact numerical value as the words al avoin ha'egel for the sin of the calf, which is very interesting. And I also noticed that the word para aduma, the gematria of it, is also le kapara, which means it came for an atonement. So you see that the word itself, when we say that the gematria of a word is the same as the gematria of something else, that means that in essence, when it comes down to their core, there's something that's, that jives is exactly the same. Para aduma is the same as le kapara, as for an atonement, and it's also the same as ala avlin ha'egel, for the sin of the calf. So now, what I'd like to do here, and what I'd like to spend a lot of the rest of the time here, discussing is the following question. Rashi at the beginning of the parsha, so he says, I'm going to read Rashi to you, and I'm going to explain to you what is bothering me about Rashi. Rashi says like this, This is the quintessential chok, the ununderstandable law of the Torah. The Satan and the nations of the world, they question the people of Israel, and they say as follows, What is this commandment? What reasoning is there? That's why the Torah specifically says here, in regards to the mitzvah of Paradum, the red heifer, it says, Chuka, which is a certain type of law, which is Exerahi, Milfonai. This is a decree from in front of me, Einlecha Rishus Laharer Achara. You have no right, you have no permission to think about it, to try to understand it. So now, the question becomes obvious here, and that is that if you've noticed since the beginning of this podcast, I've first, I've, I started off by saying that this is the quintessential chok, this is the mitzvah that has no understanding. And then I proceeded to give you a few different understandings of the chok, of this mitzvah that defies logic. So how do we understand the fact that the Torah says and Rashi says that we're not supposed to think about trying to understand what's going on here? We're not supposed to have any understanding of that this is a mitzvah that, that you can't understand. Nevertheless, we give explanations of the Gemara and Sota gives that explanation, and we have, you know, different explanations. The Ramban also gives a very beautiful thought, and that is that the Para Aduma, it, the color is red because red represents judgment. Somehow there's some kind of judgment that's taking place in regards to this Para Aduma, in regards to this red heifer. Some, we find a similar concept when it comes to bringing gold. You're not allowed to, the Kohen God, the high priest, would not wear any kind of gold vestments when he went into the Kodesh HaKadashim because gold, both gold and red, they represent judgments. So at a time when the Kohen God, the high priest is going into the Kodesh HaKadashim into the highest the holiest place so when he's trying to ask for forgiveness for the people so we need to ask out of Rachamim out of mercy not out of, not out of judgment but the bottom line is that somehow we see that gold and red these two colors so they both represent and the whole idea of the para even the, the calf itself represents judgments we have to understand why but you see that there's all kinds of different explanations. So how do we explain the fact that we give explanations to something that's supposed to be a chok and we're not really supposed to, in a certain sense, try too much to understand? How do we understand this? So to begin to answer this question, I'd like to share with you a Kabbalistic idea, a very beautiful and deep idea. It's something that I believe I've alluded to in the past, and it's something I believe bears mentioning here because I believe with this concept we'll be able to have a re- very deep understanding 
of how how do we approach there's so many i mean it's not just a question here really but at some we have this question anywhere because we always have a concept that the mitzvahs we don't really understand the mitzvahs we find the gemara it says in brachos the gemara says that whoever says if a person says Hashem you're so great your racham and your mercy is even upon the the birds why? because we see that there's a mitzvah to send away the mother bird when you take away the eggs so you see the racham of Hashem the kindness of Hashem so if a person says that we shut him up he's not allowed to say such a praise it's not a praise of Hashem why? Rashi explains there that it's not a praise of Hashem because all the mitzvahs are not, there's no understanding of them. These are gzeros, these are chukas hamelach. These are all decrees of Hashem. When we try to give an understanding of them, if that's a praise, that's not a praise of Hashem. When we create our own understanding of something, that's not a praise of Hashem. So, we see again over here in this Gemara and Brachas that despite the fact that there is perhaps some kind of understanding that we can give, nevertheless, to say that to praise Hashem over that and to say, "Wow, Hashem is such a Balracham, He's so merciful because He He, taught, he teaches us to do, have mercy on the animals," but that's that's not a correct thing to say. So we see again that there's this concept that you can have a mitzvah and you can give an explanation of it, and still there's something missing. You haven't done correct in a certain sense. Of course, we encourage, we always encourage a person try his best to understand the mitzvahs, but there's also a concept that the mitzvah is beyond our understanding. So how do we make these things drive? How do we understand that on, on a in a certain sense, we're supposed to take the mitzvot, we're supposed to take the commandments as just gzeres hamelech. This is the decree from Hashem. We do this because this is what Hashem said to do. But on the other hand, we're also supposed to try our best to understand it. So how, how do we drive these two things? So here we come to the Kabbalistic idea. And I'd like to illustrate the Kabbalistic idea the way that it's illustrated in the book, The Sparks of the Hidden Light by Rav Moshe Shatz, which is not available for the public. But I was zoch, I merited to actually get a copy of it from a good friend of mine, one of my neighbors, who's actually a student of his. He's a, he's a Kabbalist in Jerusalem. And he says the idea like this. Give you a muscle, a, a comparison, something that we can be tofis, we can begin to understand this concept. You have a body, a human body, and it's made up of many, many different cells. And inside of every single cell in the human body, there's a strand of DNA. And on that strand of DNA contains the information for the entire body. And each and every cell inside of the entire body has the same exact strand of DNA. Now, Every single part of the body is made up of the same cells. Nevertheless, each part of the body is differentiated. You can have fingers, you can have toes, you can have hands, you can have arms. You can have all kinds of different parts of the body, but they're all made up of the same cells with the same strands of DNA in the inside. If you'll take a look at a fetus as it's beginning to develop, so the first stages as the sperm connects and enters into the egg, so they connect, the DNA connects, and then you have this brand new cell, a DNA strand that was never in the world, and so it starts to split, and splits in 2, splits in 4, splits in 8, 16, 32, 64, 128, etc. So as it's splitting, so at the very beginning, everything is exactly, precisely the same. But slowly, so it changes, and different parts of this, of this call it the fetus, it's not yet a fetus, but different parts of it take on different characteristics. And slowly it develops into a person, and this part becomes the hand, and this part becomes the foot, and this part becomes the face, and this part becomes the, the heart. But each, again, as we continue, as it develops, each and every section, each and every cell, contains the same exact strand of DNA. Every single part of it is exactly the same, but somehow they differentiate and they become different parts. So on a Kabbalistic level, we have the same exact concept when we talk about the, the, the universe. You look at the universe, every single level of the universe, the spiritual worlds, the physical worlds, all the different universes, all the different levels of reality, they're all combined and they all are connected 
through a tremendous oneness. And that oneness has to do with the fact that Hashem is one, that there is a singular God. And Hashem, when we talk about Hashem, obviously on the highest, highest levels, we cannot comprehend Hashem. We cannot even touch, we can't even come close to understanding. Hashem is the Ain Sof, He's beyond understanding. Nevertheless, when we talk about relating to Hashem, we can in a certain sense relate to Hashem. And when we relate to Hashem, so there's a unity. We relate to Hashem, Hashem Echad, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Hashem our God, Hashem is one. Now Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, interestingly, it's important to point out Hashem, the first time that we say Hashem, it's the name Yudke Vavke, which represents Rachamim, which re- represents mercy. And then the next name we, we say is Hashem Elokeinu, which means our God, but that represents Din, which means divine judgment. Hashem Echad, we end off when we say Hashem is one. Because even the different aspects of Hashem that we experience, they're really all rooted in a singular unity, which is Hashem. Hashem is the ultimate unity. We don't fathom it. We can't understand it because we live in a world of period. We live in a world of separation. Nevertheless, Hashem is one. He's the ultimate unity. And and what we see as period, what we see as separation, so really it's all united. It's all unified. And although we can't totally understand Hashem's unity, what that means, that ultimate unity, but nevertheless we can begin to understand, says Rav Shatz, by explaining this idea that every single thing, every component, everything that seems to be different in the world is really the same. It's really the same, just like the DNA. Every single cell in the body has the same DNA. Each and every cell is different, but depending on its role, where it is in the body, so it, it somehow takes on a different role. Exactly how that works, that needs to be explained. But the bottom line is that what we see is that you can have many different things that seem to be different, but when it comes down to it, when you look it down microscopically, so you see that they're really the same. And not only that, but they combine and they connect to form a greater thing. Right, so you have many different cells, many different parts of the body are created and formed out of these cells. But you know, you have your feet and you have your hands and you have your arms and you have your legs, but everything is all a composite picture. It's all called a human being. It's now one creature, one one person. So similar similarly in the spiritual worlds you have the same concept where you have different facets, different parts of creation that are combining to form the creation, which is one single being combining also from many different disparate parts, but they all, even the disparate parts themselves, have a unity in them, because they're all, and somehow when you break it down, they're all the same. Let's focus, though, on the fact that when you take these disparate parts, you take two different things, you take many different cells, so when you combine them, you don't get many different cells mishmashed into one big cell. No, what happens is they all combine and they create something which is greater than the sum of their parts. So basically what you have, you start off with this thing, you start off with object A, and you connect it with object B, you connect them together. You don't have A, B, you have C. You have created something new, something different, something higher. But interestingly, include when you look down, you can still see that included in C is A and B, but they've just combined and they've become something higher. They've transcended what they were before and they've unified into something greater. Now this concept has many, many different applications Unbelievable applications. I can't get into them now. We're running out of time. But what I can do is we can bring us back to Zeus Let's talk about the Para Aduma. Why is it that on, on, on one level, Hashem says, we cannot discuss, we can't understand the Para Aduma. Don't even think about it. Don't even try. And then on the other hand, there are so many misfortunes, so many commentaries are giving this explanation, that explanation, giving you this depth, that depth. We find that Gemara in Brachas that says, Hashem, every single mitzvah is a decree, you can't understand it. But nevertheless, we see, you know, there are all kinds of timing of the mitzvahs, there are all kinds of explanations, understandings of all of the mitzvahs. 
So how do we jive these two things? And I think we're beginning to understand because, of course, on a certain level, so when we look at something from underneath, so we're looking at something, we're looking at the, to the components, we're looking at the parts. We don't see the broader picture. Nevertheless, you can still see that there are reasons. There's something that we can grasp. There's something that we can gra- grab onto. Like Hashem, can we understand God? We can't connect. How can we possibly think that we can start to understand God? But that's the explanation why we said before. We said He's the Ein Saif. Hashem is the ultimate no end. We can't get to Hashem's end. We can never completely understand Hashem because He's infinite and we are finite. Nevertheless, we can start, we can begin. We can begin to begin to understand. And it's the same thing with the mitzvos. In a certain sense, yeah, you can't understand. You can't. You have to know. You have to have a reality. You have to be aware of the fact that the mitzvos, we can never understand their death because they're coming from a higher reality. They're coming from the infinity of Hashem. They're coming from Hashem. This is Hashem's wisdom itself. We can never come to the depths of complete understanding of the mitzvos. We can't. It's impossible. al You can never get to the end. But we can begin. We can start. We can try to touch. We can try to begin to give an understanding of the mitzvahs. We can try to begin to have a relationship with Hashem. We can try to begin to connect to spirituality. And once we've begun, so we're going to be on a trajectory, we're going to be on a course headed towards eternity, constantly moving higher, constantly going higher. And even in the next world, Hashem will be constantly bringing us higher and higher and higher, closer and closer. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great Shabbos.